Jerry, can you come on my podcast? No, thanks. It'll be fun. No, thanks. But it's called Get Jerry On. Yeah, no, thanks. (laughs) I don't know who that was. John, you are the genius who organized for Jerry Seinfeld. We'll call you genius. I don't know that, but go on. (laughs) The genius that organized for Jerry Seinfeld to star in a TV ad uh, for your client at the time, the Greater Building Society which uh, was a bank in Newcastle in Australia, of course, the seventh biggest city in Australia, a population of just 487,000. And this was back in 2009. You managed this ad. Uh, I think if everyone in the city chucked in $2 each, it still wouldn't be enough to get Jerry Seinfeld on to do an ad. So you've worked some magic here. He has thousands of companies uh, wanting him to do ads. What was your secret, mate? How'd you do it? You're secretly related to him, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. No, look, I, uh, I wish I could say that because then at least I'd probably be able to bite him for a few dollars. So I think he's got a few more dollars than I have. Yeah. Um, mate, yeah, look, it was, it was one of those things. I guess uh, I looked at one of those motivational calendars one day many years ago. And at the bottom of it, it said that uh, persistence beats intelligence. And thank God in my instance, because I think it was just a case of persistence. What had happened is that the building society is head office in Newcastle, but they're right throughout New South Wales and, uh, and uh, regional Queensland. So they're a reasonable size uh, financial institution, but nowhere near the big banks. And so when I was consulting to them, I said to them, look, it's no good taking the big banks on with uh, interest rates because it'd be like a hardware store taking on Bunnings. You're not going to win. So you have to think outside the square. So we did, and we brought in a campaign which basically said, if you get a home loan from the greater, then you get a free holiday. And that's what we did. And it really distinguished them from everyone else because, you know, they had a happy meal toy that no one else, no, none of the other banks had. And I was running for quite a few years very successfully. And about five or six years into it, we decided to take it up a level. And that level was, of course, to get maybe a celebrity uh, on board. And we put a, a, a research out there to all of the members and to non-members and asked them, look, who do you think would be an ideal you know, uh, celebrity who would probably match your brand? And their brand was a bit cheeky. They used to always give it to the banks a bit on the TV, courtesy of my sarcasm. And so therefore, it was a bit of a virgin-esque brand. And his name came up number one. And then I wished I'd never done the survey because how the hell was I going to get Jerry Seinfeld? <laughs> That's the question I've been pondering for months, John. Well, Jared, I was hoping that Rove or Bert Newton or someone like that would come up because uh, they'd be a lot easier to get. And uh, hey, Jerry Seinfeld came up number one, Jim Carrey number two, and Robin Williams number three. So I was an idiot. I just created a nightmare for myself. Um, so we thought, look, let's give it a shot. So uh, he is harder to get to than the Pope, I'm telling you. Uh, and so therefore, after you know months of trying to find how to get to him, I eventually uh, decided to go straight to the horse's mouth and not necessarily to him, but I went through George Shapiro, who is his uh, manager for the last 40-something years. And uh, as it turned out, uh, I put on my best Aussie Paul Hogan-style accent and left a voicemail for him on his uh, Beverly Hills office phone at two in the morning because I knew that he had an answering service and I just basically said the following, G'day uh, George, it's John DeWire from Australia here. I represent a bank, I'm a marketing guy. And what we would like to do is take the piss out of banks. Uh, and we reckon that the best guy that could do that would be Joe Seinfeld, would he be up for it? And I, I did the, you know, Ocker okay sort of accent as much as I could because Australia still is the flavor of the month. And you're not gonna believe it, at two or three days later, I get a call and I'm thinking it's one of my mates just putting on an American accent and uh, just taking the, you know, what out of me. And it was George Shapiro. He said, oh, listen, I got your message. And uh, um, yeah, it sounds like a good idea. Do you want to take it further? And I said, "Uh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, that went from there. Basically, of course, we had a few calls with him and his partner, Howard West, because it's a Shapiro West thing. 
And then I just jumped in a plane and went over and uh, we met for lunch at you know, one of the Beverly Hills restaurants where their office was and so forth. And George Shapiro could be an Australian. He's a really cheeky fellow and he's got our sense of uh, self-deprecation and you know, typical sort of Aussie humour. Mm. So we got on like a house on fire and that was important because if you get on with the superstars manager, there's half a chance you might, you know, you might be able to snag something. And that's what happened. So Jerry introduced me to, um, uh, sorry, not Jerry. So uh, George introduced me to Jerry's uh, agent, who's a guy called Christian Carino. And I had to fly back on the forwards a few times before we eventually met Jerry and did the deal. And yeah, it was, it was not easy, but it was persistence beating intelligence. It was just hanging in there. Wow. How did you even think, how am I getting in contact with George Shapiro? How am I going to find this guy's phone number? You said you, you spent months going to and fro. Well, you just go into the yellow pages. How did that work for you? Uh, in the old days, you would have to know someone who knew someone who knew the assistant to the you know, manager or agent, whatever it might. These days, seriously, when someone says to me, look, how do I get Jamone, the comedian? I say, type into a thing called Google. I'm not sure whether you've heard of that. <laughs> and then, of course, they call me a sarcastic so-and-so. But it is that simple now. I mean, in the old days, you really did need to know someone. But these days, you type the name into Google and you're going to come up you know, with the answer. Now, this was 10 years ago, so it wasn't quite as easy then as it is now. But uh, what I was doing stupidly was trying to get to Jerry and to get to some of the minders that were around him in New York, when, in fact, the real people who looked after him, of course, was his agent of 40 years who was on the other side of America in Los Angeles. So the moment I realized I was an idiot uh, and then just thought, well, the best way to get to George is not to ring during business hours, but to ring after business hours, like at midnight their time, and hope that there was an answering machine on which there was. And by having that facility, I could really be a bit cheeky Aussie style uh, on the answering machine. Because when he did ring me, he actually said to me, oh, look, I, know, I love the accent. I love the couple of the whatever gags I gave at the time. I wasn't trying to compete with Seinfeld, but I was just saying, look, we want someone to take the piss out of Banks, and we thought he'd be a good choice. He said, I like your style. And it's a funny how if you hit it off straight away like that, there's a half a chance you're going to get him. Absolutely. I, I, like, I like your style of uh, trying to stand out with the answering receipt mes message. Unfortunately, given the, the fact that it's 2021, I highly doubt George Shapiro has an answering machine anymore. No, you're quite right. You know, and it's funny because George still has a Gmail address because when I was, you know, obviously we had to have a thousand emails go backwards and forwards with the deal as big as this. And uh, it was funny. Here he is, a manager of, you know, one of the biggest superstars uh, in the planet. Uh, and uh, his email address was Gmail. <laughs> <laughs> you, it you, was funny. I feel like you're teasing me into the question, asking you to send me his email. <laughs> well, you know what I have to say this is that when we got together with Jerry, which was a little while later, maybe a month or two later after we'd done the deal and, uh, and I'm making it sound like it was straightforward and it, it, I guess it was straightforward to a degree, but there was quite a few, um, you know, uh, well, Skype calls in those days. I don't know where Skype's gone these days. It's, 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 yeah, I think it's gone where the beta tapes went when VHS came to town. I mean, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so therefore, when uh, we were going through all of that, there was a bit of toing and froing. But when eventually I jumped in a plane and took the end, took the general manager of the Greater Building Society over to meet Jerry in his office in New York, um, it was the 55th floor of a high rise, and you know he took out the whole floor. Uh, but there was only he and his secretary. I mean, and he, you know, his office was as you would expect it to be, pretty opulent. But you yeah. wouldn't just meet a nicer down-to-earth guy. He was exactly the... People say to me, what was he like? Was exactly the same as the TV show. He was just a nice guy. Maybe he seems like the uh, kind of guy to indulge uh, someone's annoying podcast on the other side of the world for half an hour. Who knows? You never know. You never know. And you know what? The same old story, persistence beats intelligence. So <laughs> it's I'll, a matter of... Yeah. I like that message you're spreading now. I'm sure you're not going to tell me how much 
Uh, he was paid for the ad because, of course, that plays a big part of it. I know he's got so much money, it doesn't really matter anyway. And he probably likes the creative of the ad that you came up, which, which was pretty uh, intelligent. So does that mean you think it was enough to buy, you know, he's, he's on uh, Comedians and Cars Getting Coffee, his latest TV show. He's got about 10 GoPros on that thing each and every episode. Did you pay him enough to pay for those GoPros? I think so. Yeah, I think he probably could have afforded a few GoPros. But look, seriously, I mean, I can't divulge what it was, but it wasn't anything like people think it was because uh, I said to him, I remember in the first meeting, um, that, and it was great fun, by the way, Joe, when you go through LAX and then, of course, you catch the plane across to New York as well. It was great at LAX when the you know, customs person would say, yeah, and what's your, what's your reason for being an American? Yeah, oh, I've got a meeting with Jerry Seinfeld. And, of course, they'd look at you thinking it was BS and go, yeah, okay, right, next. You know? <laughs> but, yeah, when we met him for the first time, and uh, it was very nice. It put a toast, you know, put on the sandwiches and the scones and the jam and the cream and all that sort of stuff. It was just a you know, down-to-earth sort of character. I remember saying to him, look, uh, in our terms, you know, everyday working Australian, then the money you're getting paid for this is, you know, fair whack. But for you, you've got more money than God. I mean, why did you say yes to this? Because, you know, I know that you've only ever done two advertising. Uh, campaigns before, which was American Express and Microsoft, which are a little bit bigger than the greater. So how do we snag this? Because I was still pinching myself. And he looked at me in the eye and just said, well, you know what? No one's ever asked me from Australia before. And I like your sense of humour in Australia. I I think it's fantastic. It's very similar to mine, observational humour. And uh, so I thought, well, yeah, what the heck? And I guess the other reason is too, is we gave him creative control. So whilst I may have written some ads uh, together with our ad agency, um, he would you know, throw them in the bin and start again. Of course, you know, as if he ever going to be upset having Jerry Seinfeld have creative control over the advertising campaign, he was always going to write a better ad than I could write. So, yeah, so the fact that he's never been asked before uh, was one. And the other thing was he had creative control. So I don't think money even, I don't think he probably even knows what he got. <laughs> You're right. It'd be like, yeah, someone transfers you money for dinner and you don't even realise it's gone in. You go. uh, he'd have yeah. the same thing with the money coming in from that ad. Well, I don't know whether it's absolutely true, but the story that I got from a couple of the people that were around him at the time, keeping my way to go back and forth a few times, was that um, he bought Billy Joel's house in the Hamptons for $38 million and bulldozed it. <laughs> uh, if, if that is true that if if that is true i think it's close to it because uh, then he built the house that he wanted to build and it was the block of land that he was after but uh but you know how like in australia here you know you hear people buying a little reno knocking it down and putting a new house up well this takes that to a new level so if it is true then that's the sort of level of wealth he's at did he have some good quips on uh, a few good one-liners on you john when you sat down for that first meeting he didn't let let, let you off the hook i'm sure no, well, see, what I learned was that uh, I, I think I'm pretty funny. My wife and my children, Dad, I've got six millennial children and uh, they call me uh, affectionately the boomer. Uh, and so, <laughs> therefore, I don't, I don't think they like my dad jokes at all. But I learned very quickly that when you're in the presence of, com, you know, comedic royalty like that, you don't try and show off. You do not try and do any jokes. So I resisted most of the time because I think I would have got the same reaction from him that I get from my millennial children. So uh, what, what was funny, though, is that when we got around to doing the ads and uh, so we took out a little suburb in, uh, in New York uh, called Cedarhurst and it was about an hour out from New York and uh, we basically took over the town. We paid the mayor $50,000 to close the town down for that day. So it was like a little town like your barrel in New South Wales or maybe a Katoomba Main Street, something like that. And so we took out the town, all the shops closed and uh, we transplanted a Greater Building Society branch into an empty shop. And so, therefore, the whole commercials were done with him outside the shop doing stand-up. 
because uh, the, the, the essence of the story was that he was doing it hard, so therefore he's come back to just stand up outside a bank, right? So that was it. And you've got all these extras walking past, of course, just ignoring him because, you know, that's the, that was the gag. And throughout that time, he would say to me, uh, my name's John DeWire, but I get JD, so you don't, that's what I go. He says, JD, give me another Australian town. Because the, the gag was that he'd, he'd tell a joke and then talk about the Greater Building Society home loan deal where you got a free holiday. And then he'd say, look, I'll be in you know, Newcastle next week outside the hardware store. So that was the gag when you did the outro to the ad. And I'd say to him, Wagga Wagga. And he goes, what? And he says, Wagga. He said, well, so I'm going to say, well, next week I'll be outside the pharmacy in Wagga Wagga. I said, yeah. He goes, but why would you say it twice? I don't know. And so he did it. He said, oh, well, next week I'll be outside the pharmacy in Wagga Wagga. And then he'd say, well, for another ad, because we did lots of them, JD, give me another one. I went, curry, curry. <laughs> so he was, he, he was fun on the set too. You were there, you flew over, I imagine, for the ad, and it all happened just in the one day. Funny they could shut down a whole, a whole street and a whole little town for a day as well. Oh, look, if it had just been a bank coming along saying we want to do a commercial, then no chance. But because you're saying I'm coming along to do a commercial with Jerry Seinfeld, then, yeah, they were happy to do that. In fact, it was two days. So we, we closed the little town for two days and uh, the police were at both ends of the streets blocking the, you know, there was no traffic and like it was just as if the Pope had arrived. And, of course, every school in the area closed down for the day because he had just done a movie called The Bee Movie. And the kids had no clue who Jerry Seinfeld was, but they knew he was the voice of one of the characters in the B movie. So they all <laughs> turned up. <laughs> well, I'm glad someone remembers that movie. Um, <laughs> wow. And, and was there any, you know, was there a dinner? Was there drinks? Was there a chat in between those two days? Did you get some downtime with him? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, look, he's just a nice guy, mate. He's a very, very nice guy. He had his trailer like they all do, of course. And so therefore, you know, he'd go into that and whatever. But I had a few radio stations in Australia ring us at the time because the news got out that, you know, this little bank in Australia, I say little, I mean, the Greater Building Society is the 250th biggest business in Australia. So they're not exactly your local delicatessen, but they're not Westpac, okay? And so these radio stations, particularly from Newcastle, where the head office of this uh, building society was, would ring and I'd be on the set and they'd say, look, is there any chance you could, you know, talk to Jerry? And of course, that was not going to happen. But I, I said to them, um, they'd ask, you know, what's he like to work with? You're here on the set in New York with him at the moment. I said, lovely. I said, I'll give you an idea of just how down to earth he is. At lunchtime, when there's a break, obviously with any of these big shoots, you've got a catering van with, you know, all of the sandwiches and whatever. And I said, uh, he stands on the queue to, you know, like everyone else, to get his lunch. And they said, you've got to be joking. I said, no. I said, his paper plate is actually um, sort of monogrammed with his initials in it. And <laughs> he gets a special monogrammed you know, cutlery set. But he's on the queue. He's on the queue like everyone else. So all I would say to you in the instance of trying to snag him or anyone like him is to have some sort of wow factor. And that's easy for me to say because my thing is called the Institute of Wow. But you've got to have some sort of wow factor that's going to make him sit up and listen. I don't know what that is for you, but you know, you've got to have some something in there that's not just a normal podcast. You're absolutely right. Um, and he won't be legitimately interested in my podcast. So uh, I'm screwed, John. That's... Uh... <laughs> well, I, I had to let you down gently. I thought I'd give you an idea and then you just wake up to yourself. It's impossible. Oh, I've woken up to myself and I'm, I'm still going for some uh, absurd reason. <laughs> now, we know you're a marketing expert. I've got a, I've got a stupid idea, which we're running with. Um, we're putting up a billboard for a podcast. Tell me how ridiculous that is. 
Well, it just depends where it is, mate, because it's a numbers game. So if the billboard is in the desert, that's not a smart idea. But if it's in George Street, uh, yeah, different. So where's the billboard? At a train station in Sydney. Obviously nowhere near Jerry Seinfeld, but we've got to get some people knowing this podcast actually exists, John. So yeah. a play, it's pretty much just shows how ridiculous this whole podcast and the concept is. We're putting a, a billboard up right next to the train station and it's just going to say, do you know Jerry Seinfeld with a QR code going straight to the podcast? And we're going to trick people into thinking, what the hell is this? Do I know Jerry Seinfeld? Next thing they know, they've got uh, my voice in their ears. Mate, that's a great idea. Finally, two more, John. Two more quick questions. What do you think my chances are of getting Jerry on? How much faith do you have in me and how long will it take me? I had the same request back in the day that we were doing the campaign. So obviously it had much more chance of getting up from the Newcastle Herald. The Newcastle Herald said to me, look, is there any chance we can do an interview? Because it's going to be the front page of the paper on Saturday. And I said, oh, so anyway, I rang up George and I just said to him, mate, is there any chance you could do this? And he said, okay, well, um, let, 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 let me get back to you. And uh, I said, Jerry's only got to give 10 minutes. That's it. And uh, Jerry said yes, and it was a uh, the time slot was eleven o'clock at night New York time. So Jerry, you know, basically sat up for it and did it, and he did an interview with the newspaper. You've teased me again. Now you've told me you've got George Shapiro's email address and his number. What are you doing to me over there, John? <laughs> Mate, a cart and a crown lager would go a long way. All right. Can't the Crown Lager would go along with? I'll have a look, mate. I'll have a look for you. I, uh, it's been quite a few years since I've been, you know, sharing emails and stuff like that. But yeah, I'll have a look for you. And um, I've got your email now. So uh, I'll, I'll have a squeeze in my files and see if I can dig out George's uh, email for you. Mates, I think uh, the listeners, listeners of this podcast would very much appreciate that. If his phone number happens to pop up next to his email, John, just keep pressing forward. You can't go wrong just sending all these contact details. I mean, you, you, you'll be entertaining a, a legion of Seinfeld fans. Yes, indeed. I'm sure that'll be the case. Look, I will, I've just got my little black book here. How about we read out Jerry's mobile number? It is. Uh, <laughs> oh, he'd, be, he'd be very grateful that I did that. I'm sure he'd be very grateful to hear from lots of people. Oh, of course, mate. Oh, it won't be coming from you, don't you worry. This number I just found, in, I just found on the internet somehow, on, on a Reddit <laughs> forum. That's right. <laughs> You've given me some hope, John. My, my uh, hope factor is about at a 0.1% before this interview, and you've lifted it to about a 02 Good. I'm glad I could help, mate. That is like, hey, that's, uh, that's doubling. You've doubled it. 